Hello, and welcome to Pink Sky Inspired Conversations with Enid O'Turn and Lucy Ashby. Today we are talking with Gemma Lee. Gemma is fat, 40, and after 30 years of an unhealthy relationship with food and her body, she decided to make the journey down the marvellous yellow brick road that is body positivity. Writing under the name Madam Monkey, Gemma blogs about what it's like trying to find herself after years of struggling with her self-worth. She also creates illustrations and artwork to promote positive body image, including her first children's story, Welcome to Bopovia, which is published on her website, www.madammonkey.com. During lockdown, she filmed a hundred daily vlogs, documenting the challenges and the oddities of this crazy world we find ourselves in. Gemma wants to share her experiences in the hope that it might just inspire other people to take the journey towards self-love. Right, lovely. So it's really lovely to have you here and I'm really excited to find out that what you've been doing. I know you've been very busy with work, but also other projects. Um, so our first question is, Gemma, what makes you feel really inspired? So um, like I've over the last few years, I've been writing a blog um, about body positivity and body acceptance. And it's one of those things where I... <sighs> I kind of like with with my sort of bio, it's like one of those things where I sort of say, right, I've, I've had a um, a really unhealthy relationship with food and my body for 30 years and I'm done with it now. Um, and I think when I hear stories of people um, overcoming adversity in terms of their self-worth, their self-image, you know, when people are starting to turn around to the, um, to sort of um, the system and turn around and go, do you know what, this isn't right. Um, that's the sort of thing that sort of really gets me excited. And, you know, like people like Jamila Jamil, who sort of, you know, it's just suddenly just, sticks a good old fashioned V up at the, uh, you know, at the uh, sort of the media. Um, and I think for me, it's hearing about, like, I get really excited when, when people sort of turn around and start to talk about different bodies, different shapes, you know, everything, you know, and in, uh, being inclusive. And as someone that has absolutely torn herself to pieces for years and years and years and years, yeah, I will not do the same for other people. Um, like, it, it's nice to hear other people go, hey, I feel the same too. Um, and, and, and I think when you realise you're not alone and that it isn't just you and you're not defective, um, I think there's some really powerful stuff there. And so when I sort of... I do a lot of uh, body positive work with my students. Uh, I had a little Bopo club, my little Bopo warriors, um, you know, and when they would turn up, oh, it was just marvellous. And we would turn up every week and have these really honest discussions about um, body image in the media, um, about how they perceive themselves or how they've been perceived in the past. And it's so powerful. And it just makes me want to... It makes me want to be better um, in the sense of how I view myself, you know, um, for them, you know, to sort of say, you know, because all the time I'm, I'm sort of putting myself down, I think, you know, it's that element, isn't it? If I put myself down, it means I'm people that look like me down or whatever. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that, I'm really I'm really hearing that. I, I, I loved it when you mentioned about your um, work at school because 
obviously, Gem, you know, Gemma, you're a teacher. So what kind of like really nice feedback and observations have they made? Or have, have they gone through some changes in terms of their own self-image because of the work and, and the projects that you've done? Yeah, well, pre-lockdown, um, unfortunately, we can't meet at the moment because everyone's in bubbles. So, uh, but they, but they still want to do something. So they were like, "Can we create a Teams? You know, so we could do it on Microsoft Teams." Like the fact that they want to be out there and saying to people, "Hey, look, do you know what? You're amazing. You're beautiful." Um, it's just lovely. And the conversations that student ha- students have when they're, you know, they feel that another is being sort of um they're being sort of negative towards themselves they'll 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 shut that down and I think it's lovely and I think it's something that I would like to see happening sort of much you know that it it would be my mission to be that person to go around to sort of kids and schools and say hey look you know think about what you're saying um you know because whenever I tell them my story it always starts with me about seven years old um telling my friend uh that I wanted to be a model because there was this tv program called uh cover up and it was like they were crime fighting models right they were like no guns and and it was like proper 80s absolute guff but um you know I was like yeah I'm gonna be a model when I'm older and um, my friend uh, next door neighbor who I walked to school said you can't do that you're too fat and weirdly at the age of seven it stuck with me and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot more to it obviously it's not like that one comment absolutely shattered my world I mean growing up in the 80s it was it was the go-to thing you know um you know shut up you're fat you know your mom's fat you know and all that sort of stuff yeah Mm. yeah you're Mm. right it was sort of it was it was it was kind of acceptable uh, an acceptable kind of insult wasn't it or seen as that way then even into the sort of 2000s you know when you see in films like things like shallow hell which is a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine um but at the same time it's just the jokes are you know um (laughs) what can i say you know i've gone off a complete tangent sorry (laughs) No, I'm loving the That's tangent. Right. Brilliant. I'm inspired by the tangent. I'm we're, just we're uh, actually in the right year, the eighties. We're we're in the right <laughs> decade, in oh, fairness. Yeah, yeah. With the podcast, so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I think when you're sort of talking about it, it's just making me sort of reminding me how pervasive that is. That it that okay, I know you're you're sort of we're celebrating in a way that things have changed a bit, but you're just reminding me that you know, it's, it's stuff people say, it's in the media, it's mm. everywhere. Those little messages that you're getting that, you know, you're not quite, I don't know, good enough or the right mm. shape or, mm. you know, just like not quite right. And that over time, it sounds like for you and for lots of people, those messages, like you don't quite fit in the box, um, can be really damaging. And how, mm. how fantastic to be trying to turn that around. Well, I mean, I, I am that, that annoying person at school that kind of goes, have you seen what Avon's done? They've done a commercial about cellulite where they said the only place that dimples are cute are on your cheeks, not on your thighs. And I sort of then, I know, and I sort of sent it out to the whole of the school and I, I sent it out and I said, but I also put in the facts about it. I was like, do you know what cellulite is? Do you know how many people have it? It's not just have it you know um the fact is that even models have it you can't see it and I was sort of you know and I, I keep trying to drum into the kids that what you're seeing is a false reality but they live in the world of snapchat like that, I can't even begin to go down what what snapchat you know filters they are so dangerous and you know it's only a matter of time before someone invents a you know, a digital mirror that where the kids can see themselves looking the way that they think that they look on on um, snapchat so i don't know god that's true that yeah. is true that's that's a very kind of insidious way isn't it of you know um altering our appearances to to a certain type 
like this I, I guess I've kind of involved myself in the funny side of that when you know Ruby's had funny filters you know the, the animals things like that but I guess I hadn't really thought about you know the other side of it yeah that's potentially horrible mm. isn't it absolutely don't get me wrong I have taken photographs myself as a thumb um you know from snapchat filters you know, <laughs> you know as, as as a cat you know yeah you know I've, I, and I've, I've done that you know I admittedly you know I've, I've sort of played around with the beauty filters but even my phone I you know if I put a selfie on my phone is automatically set at number five on the beauty level like it doesn't automatically start at zero it's automatically at five um when you go to 10 I look about 12. Blimey Gemma Oh my God, I'm gonna we're gonna talk all night here. This is fabulous. I'm loving this. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, we'll have to do two. Two episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two we'll, episodes. We'll do that. Right, I will let you get word well, Edways now, Enid. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because <laughs> it's interesting because um, you know, we were talking about the eighties and of course the eighties is where the uh uh, podcast is is well it's where it starts basically well no it starts in the 60s but the majority of it is the mm. 80s and 90s so you know when you when you talk about the 80s and and the way that things were different and I mean you hear that obviously in the podcast as well I guess so I, I, I guess my question is I mean you've listened to the podcast well twice you you've listened to the podcast <laughs> twice now which even <laughs> Even I have not listened to the podcast twice, <laughs> so um, I'm you're a, you're out there as a diamond fan. <laughs> oh, um, so uh, so I guess I guess my question is uh, based on 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 uh, on what we've been talking about and and the period that we're you know we're talking about as well. What in the podcast do you think perhaps inspired you? Because I there's there's a lots of lots and lots of similarities. Obviously, facing the same kind of kind of prejudices and and the same kind of things that you know that said you know you can't do this and you can't do mm. that and you've got to be a certain way so yeah I mean I think it's so funny because I, I I sort of started out of all the questions that you sort of that we've sort of looked at I've I've, I've made the most notes for this bit because I was like I'm so excited by this and this is exciting you know and it's and it, you know like it's I mean as I said uh, earlier like my absolute absolute beautiful moment was when you're in the bar fully dressed in your pilot uniform and you tell your cousin to F off. And it is just this moment of pure joy. And I think I may have said this to you guys that I'd, I'd actually, um, I actually was in the gym at the time and fist pumped the air and went, yes, I was so overjoyed by that. But I mean, it's like being so honest, I think is, is, is the first thing for me um, that, you know, you kind of go right back to your, absolute most rawest times and can talk about it with um such sort of grace and reflection and and at a place from self-awareness obviously where you've you've gone worked through all these these issues it's just it just for me I just think it's it's so inspiring and I think that that people need to maybe take you know if people can take away from 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 this you know that Oh, actually, do you know what? Maybe I need to go and get some help or talk to somebody um, just to get to the bottom of that, you know, because, you know, you had a lot to unpick, you know, from the time, you know, from the era that you were born and all that, um, you know, sort of uh, facing the fact that, you know, you're a sort of mixed race woman who's gay, you know, and trying to be a pilot, you know, like it's just so many. Um, and the thing is, is that each time it feels like, when you talk about it, you sort of you you there's an element where you're sort of a bit um, 
self-deprecating about the way you felt about yourself. And But yet, every time it felt like there was something, hit it away. And I just adore you for it. I, just, I really do. And it's just, it's just marvellous. And I just, I think it's just... I'll tell you what, something, um, we talked about the validation, um, like some cruel treatment that you received from, you know, your father and that. Now, I was very lucky in the sense that I had a, a good upbringing. My parents have always had a, a big impact on me, but that wasn't their fault. You know, that was just a situation that, that caused it. But the fact that, you know, you validate, like some of the things that you, if you hit a sm- small bump, that validation, it was it validated that cruel treatment and it validated how you felt about yourself. Now, I, um, due to my sort of parents' divorce and had to unpick a lot of this in because in therapy, and I would have told you a million times over that no, it didn't affect me. I was fine. I've got an amazing family, I've got an amazing, like, I've got two amazing sets of parents, I've got two amazing families. Like I they're wonderful. And I'm very, very lucky. And um, what I didn't realise is at the time, as a small child, um, that um, I felt the need to be a good girl because if I was a good girl, then people would still love me. And any small lapse in judgment or anything that I did wrong, I saw it as catastrophic. And I think it's really important when you sort of use the terms that you were stupid and lazy, you know, and I sort of that's a lot of how I kind of have that sort of mental health thing. I call it the voice. I don't know if anybody else gets it. It's, it's my, critical, my inner critic. Uh, loves love. Oh, he loves to tell me I'm stupid and lazy, um, you know, and I don't deserve things. I mean, I think I must have sent Lucy, you know, God knows how many messages going, I don't feel worthy of being on this podcast. I think it's like the self-sabotage stuff, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I think it's so important to get that out there and have people hear it because they don't realise they're doing it or that they don't realise, you know, that other people do it. Like the impact of it on the rest yeah. of their lives. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think you're right. And I think you're talking about, you know, you know, not necessarily going to a counsellor, but but just exploring like your past and how it's impacted you doesn't have to be with blame and shame. It doesn't have to be about that, but it just can really help you to think of like, where are my blocks? Why am I really sensitive about certain things? Why are some things just repeatedly not working for me? And, you know, we've both found that's been a helpful process, you know, in a different you know obviously I'm a counsellor myself but I I've done a lot of work you know about self-awareness and it's been really helpful and I'm virtually like a perfect person now would you agree Enid? <laughs> yes Lucy I would agree you're a perfect person edit yeah. anyway yes so yes I really have Do- so have you felt through doing the podcast that that's been therapeutic uh, for you? Well, I think I think so. And I think um, I, I think this can apply to to anybody's life and everyone's life in a way, because not only is the, the therapeutic element, but also it's it's realizing that when you run back through your life, you, you in a way you see it with fresh eyes because you can't change it. It, it is what it is. Um, and, uh, and at the times you recognize how you felt about it, but you were actually in it at the time. So, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the reason behind the podcast is not only to tell the story and, and hopefully make people laugh and cry and all the rest of it is for them to get in touch with their emotions, but also to know that there are people out there who are in the same boat. It may not be exactly the same issues, but they are the same kind of things that happen to you. And and we all handle things differently. And there is no, there's no right or wrong way in that. It, it is what it is from that point. And it's about getting in touch with that and also saying, look, you're not alone. You know, these things 
have happened. There's nothing to be ashamed of, you know, but it's it's about owning it. It's I, I, I think it's about just, you know, addressing it head on as well. And mm. um, and that really is the, you know, the theme of the podcast is to to tell a story, to tell a true story, to make it raw, to make it honest. Because I think if you if you dress it up and and make it palatable perhaps for people to listen to, it's not necessarily the truth. And and I'm a great believer in in telling the truth, you know, particularly with things like that. And it's a very, very personal journey but yes mm. it you know the idea was to get people thinking and saying hey it, you know we're all there and yeah. for support as well thank I think, you yeah, i think we will agree on that then thank you Jen, question oh i'm looking forward to hearing yes. your answer to this one yes. so who are the people who've been the most influential in your life do you think now you said three on here and i sort of i wrote through but i scribbled and I, but first of all right i, I am going to say right my mum and my nan are like, it's quite funny. We, I went out for some social distance bingo with my mum the other day and um, suddenly realised that my mum has moved into my nan's spot and I've moved into my mum's spot, right? And it's it's happened. We've actually gone full circle. Um, we lost my nan uh, last year and absolutely it's one of those things where my heart breaks every day when I think of her because she was like ace. But the women in the family, and I'm, I've, I'm quite lucky, I always sort of joke and I say that my family are a little bit like the um, the episode of The Simpsons where Lisa thinks she's going to go, she's going to go uh, really silly and stupid like Homer because um, that's what happens. And then when he shows them all the, uh, the the Simpson women, they're all doctors and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, and I just sort of think like I, I am from a, a family of badass women um, who are pretty ace. And, you know, my mum and, you know, and, and my nan, God rest her soul, are at the top of that. Um, I've got an amazing stepmom. You know, I'm, I'm very, very very lucky in that sense but but right now I did wonder if you might be able to guess Lucy who I might have picked as as an influential person to me in terms of being an art teacher (laughs) loving my skulls (laughs) oh yeah I think I know oh having having been to Mexico for my for my um Frida Frida it's funny because I was listening to um the pink inspiration that you did with Faye and she and she mentioned like Tina Turner right and I was just like ah oh, so cool right and I was like I don't really have like a badass woman that I sort of like um uh, particularly follow unless you want to consider the whole band of Pearl Jam um you know as being an influence on me um and not just because I absolutely desperately wanted to marry Eddie Vedder from the age of 12 I think but anyway so Frida Kahlo is just like you know I will squeeze her into any scheme of work um even over lockdown well 1.0 I bought myself um the Frida Kahlo Barbie uh which was probably I I was conflicted but at the same time I was like I need this in my life but Frida Kahlo you know and I I think um it's funny because a lot of people see like my interest in um Dia de los Muertos and all that as being kind of I don't know it can be some people see it as cultural appropriation. I take it as cultural appreciation. Yeah, I know you pulled the face, um, but it is that thing where um, I'm not walking around in hot pants, you know, with a you know a sugar skull stuck to my ass, right? Um, I've it's something that I kind of I've read on, I've actually visited, I've seen, and I absolutely love it. And Frida Kahlo is to me the epitome of a strong ass woman. She was. You know, she battled with illness. Um, she couldn't have children um, because of the bus accident she was in. Um, you know, her husband was a philandering dick. Um, you know, she was, sorry. <laughs> 
Because I, 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 when, when we tell the kids, I almost do it in like a bit of a kind of like, you know, like I sort of, I tell them about the life of Frida Kahlo and then we look at the paintings and I sort of say, and her husband had an affair and they went, ooh, and I go with her sister and they go, <gasps> so they're like, oh, the pair of them had many, many affairs. But the thing is, is what I think is also wonderful about her. She was a very modern woman. Her dad was very modern in terms of, you know, what he like, he encouraged us to do, do wrestling and, you know, sort of what would be considered at that sort of time, masculine um, things. And, um, you know, and she was very open about her sexuality as well at a time when it would have been, you know, slightly more difficult. And I just think that, you know, other than that, her paintings are just the most magical things on the planet. They're so little as well. Uh, I expected them all to be big, but then some of the most wonderful things are come in small packages. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I think you went to the exhibition, didn't you, Gemma? I didn't get to see that. Was it at the VNA or the... I can't remember where it was. It was a VA where it was um, uh, Frida as a cell. It was a lot about her clothes and stuff like that, which was wonderful because it was about more about her, the other side of her personality. Um, you know, the, you know, rather than just looking at the paintings, you could see how she dressed and things like her leg sh- braces and her and her cast that she would wear and decorate. You know, it's just wonderful. What an interesting story, and 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 how lovely for kids to be learning about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think it's really important, you know, because we talk a lot about the identity and when they can see, when they can hear the story and then relate it straight back to the paintings, like you can see their little brains going, you know, and it's it's just a sort of magic moment. Why are these coconuts crying? You know, it's like, it's not just because they've got milk in them and they can't always, is it because of this? And, and then one of them kind of, oh, miss, there's a pole sticking through that piece of fruit. Does that you know, represent, you know, the, the bus accident. And you're like, oh, love it, love it, you know, give it to me, you know. Um, and they love it because it's so rich and it's not just another dead white male, which in art, we, in terms of the curriculum, we struggle with introducing that because it's always a case of, oh, well, we're not going to do a dead white male. We're going to do George O'Keefe instead. And it's like, well, okay, let's, you know, it's just a dead white female. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, it, it, it and we've we're really starting to make it more proactive about what we can introduce into the into the curriculum um that's that's worth that's you know worthwhile and Frida is is oh, she's just my babe I love her need some like that's art awesome. history classes on zoom for us okay yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you about that afterwards yeah yeah <laughs> that's my next job for you yeah <laughs> There was a final two slash three, but, you know, but I'm going to go for like, um, I need to give it a sort of a slight nod uh, to a woman called Jess Baker, who wrote the book, um, Things That No One Will Tell Fat Girls. And I took it on holiday uh, with me um, three, no, four, it must have been, it was just after I got married, I think. I took that on holiday with me and it was the book that changed everything for me. It was the, the book where I sort of went, holy crap, I don't have to walk around feeling miserable about myself. Holy crap, I don't have to keep everything on hold. I mean, because how many times you could say, oh, I'm going to do that after I've lost weight or, you know, or I'm going to do that when I'm feeling better about myself or, you know, um, I don't feel sexy because I'm fat and all that sort of stuff. And and I think, um, and it, it just was one of these things and it was it was what was quite a beautiful moment was um, I was reading it and then every night we would go to this same bar in this really little sort of 
town, scabby town in New Yorker. Um, and it was just sort of like one of those places where the, the, the measures are about that big and the Coke is like, you know, so like absolutely sozzled. And I would have to sit, I would have to sit there every night and then school my husband on, 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 on what I just learned. And it, I'd be like, what is going on? I'm allowed to be happy? What is going on? And it was just things like facts, like 5% of women in America, only 5% of women in America could ever naturally achieve the body shape perpetuated by the American media. Things like that just put things in perspective for me because I was like, why am I sitting around feeling embarrassed and miserable that I'm in a bikini at a beach, you know, um, and have living my best life. And I'm thinking that everyone's looking at me wanting to try to harpoon me. And no one gave, a, a, you know, no one gave me a second glance, you know, <laughs> they didn't care. But, do you know, but, but that's the way, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's where my brain goes to. I'm sorry. But, you know, I, 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 for me, that just, I, it's, it's, if, if anyone takes anything away from me, my ramblings today, please read that book and carry on. Obviously, read you know, listen to the podcast because this is a ace. <laughs> That's so interesting. It's like it's like you sort of realised. Oh, I'd been taught I was allowed to do some things, even feel some things, mm. and I wasn't allowed to do and feel other things. And now I realise that's crap. And actually, it's all it's all available to me. I've just got to take it, kind of thing. That's huge, isn't it? It was a total epiphany um, and just to sort of have that moment of kind of going, oh, crap. And then I, I came back when we got the, the day, the morning, the, we sort of flew back in the night and then the next morning, um, whilst husband face was snoring his head off, love him, um, I posted a thing on Facebook and it was a, kind of the beginning of the blog, really. And it was all pictures of me in my bikini and other short things and things that I would never in a million years posted on Facebook and just said, you know, I think I put a warning at the top, warning, fat girl in a bikini and other small clothes. And then I went on this sort of rant about how I just needed to not sort of perpetuate the stereotype that I'm rubbish just because I'm a, I'm, I'm a body shape that the media doesn't seem sort of worthy. Oh, wow. I really enjoyed That's hearing amazing. about that. Yeah, That's absolutely. Amazing. So we talk in the podcast about, uh, about failure. I mean, failure... I mean, many things we talk about in the podcast, but failure is one of them. And as we grow up, we kind of, you know, we oh no, we won't talk about that because uh, we've corrected that. We'll, we won't talk about it. But, you know, I, I find that things like this are important to talk about because they're part of the whole. Um, so your biggest failure and what you learned from it. Now, it was one of those things where I was thinking, should I go a little bit light on this or do I go like full on? Right. Um, and it's, it's kind of funny because we were talking, talking about the self-sabotage thing. And um, a sort of um, sort of Lucy mentioned earlier sort of about it being like a, rep, like a sort of a repetitive thing that you tend to do. And I call it touching the glass. Um, have you ever been to the chippy? Right. And you go for your fish and chips and it's got a notice on the glass that says, do not touch the glass. And what is the first thing that you do? You go, stick your hand straight on it. And it doesn't matter how many times you know that that says, do not touch the glass, it is hot. You know it's hot. You've also felt it previous time. You will still touch that glass every time you come in. You know, I, I think for me, I know this is kind of like possibly all a bit deep and all that, but um, I had a, a, a very good knack of touching the glass when it came to men, and particularly, um, you know, in terms of picking the, the particular types um, that would have a hold on me. And I didn't have 
enough self-esteem to realize things and I've got to be honest you know um a sort of few years ago I, I sort of joined a, a Facebook group that until then I, I didn't realize I'd always always suspected I'd been in a sort of abusive relationship it was uh, emotionally abusive rather than you know it was never any really physical but I'd had my my self-esteem torn down I felt worthless and I had no idea that things weren't supposed to be that way like if you look on tv eastenders hollyoaks all those things that we grew up with relationships are hard they are awful they are they're bitter and arguing and it's passion and you know you've got to have all these these things and and I think for me it was the fact that I never learned that that wasn't actually the norm and actually despite having parents who although they'd split you know but in their in their new relationships were in very settled relationships it wasn't like you know I saw um you know lots of different relationships and that they were very settled and all that you know for me I don't know if it's a failure I struggled I didn't leave a bad relationship is what I'm trying to say I think and I think for me is that now um with hindsight of course it's a beautiful thing is that I think I wouldn't put myself through it again. Now, I went into, um, I, I had some, about 18 months of CBT um, following that relationship breakdown. And not just because of that, because of a lot of things that happened, um, but it made me realise my self-worth. And I think for me, not not realising I was worthy of love and that it was okay for me to walk away from a situation. And I think that was always it. I always felt no matter what, I was trapped in a situation because I thought that's what you did. You just worked at it sort of thing you know and I think for me is that I'm thankful to say that I don't have to be in that situation again hopefully <laughs> um, but you know I wouldn't put myself in that situation again you know I think my my, my red flagometer as um is, is is much better um than it would have been so I think for me is it is I wished I'd known that it was okay to leave something you know and I think for me now even in terms of even if it's not even relationships it's it's different things like a job or whatever it's a case of I don't have to put myself through this I need to walk away and I think for me um the takeaway obviously is quite powerful that you know you do not have to do this yeah it's a difficult one though isn't it because while you're in it it's your norm it's your normal and it's not until you learn certain things that you realize that it doesn't have to be this way and that for the duration it is your normal and yeah. you know people but i love that flag that flag thing the red flagometer that you know the, the sort of the it's really good it's like a kind of a when you have the benefit of experience isn't it and hopefully you then use it and you and you kind of see the signs and like you say you also think I know what I will and won't put up with, as I say, not just in a loving relationship or whatever, but a job and, and all of those things. I mean, it, it, it's something that I, I have, like we have introduced like that words like that at school about gaslighting um, and things like that, because, you know, I didn't have a clue what gaslighting was until, you know, probably the last sort of three or four years. And when someone introduced that idea to me, my brain went, oh, you know and I sort of again like I say like I'm I'm watching students who are growing up in a world where you know they're watching Netflix and all these things where it's all high drama and you sort of say to them like you know toxic relationships they don't have to stay that way you know you don't have to be in them you know even when it comes to like friendships you know and things like that yeah yes yeah that's true yeah wow absolutely so what what do you feel most grateful for in your life Gemma 
<laughs> um, <laughs> for getting through the Rona. <laughs> um, I, got, I got through the COVID. Um, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where kind of almost off the back of that terrible story of woe there, um, that, you know, I, I was sort of asking for some help and going to sort of mental health, you know, professionals and then sort of, you know, working things through. I, I was able to allow people, you know, I was, I was able to sort of allow people into, into sort of, um into my sanctum as it were and um you know and that's how I met husband face you know um it, I, I had the confidence to tell him I liked him I had, you know <laughs> I had the confidence that I t- you know to tell him that you know what I felt about him you know I had the confidence to sort of to sort of say actually this is a nice guy and recognize it and say I want to be with with, with that person and and you know what um he is a daily joy um he makes me absolutely laugh my pants off and you know like we had two fights during lockdown 1.0 neither of those were to do with either of us it was about something completely out off the off the sort of charts and um yeah and one of them was on the first day the pubs opened because uh I mean I don't know about anyone else but that was really potent <laughs> and it was like so I mean you know and just absolutely like I genuinely feel like I have an equal and a partner um whereas I always felt like I was gasping for air or fighting all the time and I and it's almost to the point where you're a bit suspicious going what is should it be this easy <laughs> you know like you two are couple goals I'm saying you know like this is just absolute like perfection you know I'm, I'm just being honest but I can totally relate to that and sometimes at the start I remember having those same feelings of crikey this is going well like no <laughs> drama other than inside me, like the, you know, like self-doubt, but um, yeah, no drama. Um, Then we come up against a hurdle. Oh, that was fine. Oh, now the next thing's fine. And, you know, and yes, there are things and it doesn't mean that it's always kind of, you know, everybody's happy all the time, but yeah, like you say, when you're working as equals and you both really want the best for each other, that is a lovely thing. And yeah, I, I, I agree with you. We're very, very lucky, very lucky ladies, aren't we girls? We are very lucky, you know. I just think it's, yeah, I just think it's it's one of those things where people are in these sort of these difficult sort of relationships and you're like, do you know what, you you, you deserve to feel happy. You know, I spent most of my, my, my life not deserving, feeling like I deserve love. I just think it's extremely refreshing. And, I'm, I, you know, like I said earlier, I'm very lucky to have an amazing family and a really good friendship base, you know, and um, my, my wonderful cyber family that I have as well, you know. <laughs> how we met listeners on the line we met on the line on the line and yes. uh yes yes it's, it's on been the beautiful on the interweb <laughs> right you're up now life lessons some important lessons you've learned in life clearly we've we've all learned many many lessons but maybe the ones that perhaps stand out to you and yeah, sometimes drunk Gemma's really good to in the morning Gemma um, and leaves notes about things that she's had weird thoughts about. Um, so you always leave yourself notes. <laughs> I think it's, I can't, it's, it's sort of come out of a couple of um, CBD, um, CBD, CBT techniques, um, which is um, I, when I talk to the kids about it, I call it Mrs. Lee's post-its. And um, I invariably wake up at 4.27 a.m most mornings uh to kind of go oh my god you know what is my life why do i exist what's happening um, you know and that sort of stuff. you know the, you know the usual existential crisis yeah <laughs> and um 
And so I, I, I kind of do it as um, because when I'm at work, I tend to write post-it notes and put them all around my computer. So, uh, you know, at 4.27 a.m. when I can't physically write that and put it around my computer, I do like a mental, I visualize it. So put, you know, so I visualize writing it on like the feel of the pen and what that would, you know, sound like on the paper and the actual tearing it on, put it onto the computer screen so that in my head, I can put that thought to bed. So um, that's, that's kind of like what some of my weird techniques. And there are some things that, I have learned a lot through sort of cognitive behavior therapy, you know, and, and, and things that you can do to reframe your thinking. Definitely, definitely, though, is like, I mean, work-life balance. My husband will probably listen to this and go, <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, in terms of a, a little while ago, I, I became very unwell um, and I was signed off for two weeks. And then at the end of the two weeks, I needed another two weeks. And um, I remember just being so sad. Like, what about my classes? What about my classes? And the doctor said, dude, classes are going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And I remember just sort of taking that. I took everything. For, you know, I, I, I absorb everything. And I think it's the fact that I suddenly went, I actually, I need to look after myself and I think you know I, I often say to my students that self-love is not selfish you know it's actually taking care of yourself that is I, I you know very particularly from a very very early age I put myself last and you know I, I'm learning more to prioritize my, my thoughts and my feelings you know over things I mean obviously it can't be all the time um you know the cats come first most of the time um and so <laughs> But you know, in but in terms of you know, like I say, um, I would I would generally put myself at the bottom of the pile, and 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 I think I, I learnt I've learnt the hard way that that's not the right way to do things. Um, but I think that's something that, yeah, has really, you know, it's it's been a hard lesson to learn, but it's been important. So yeah, self love. Absolutely. Well, I'm kind of like a self love and survival, really, in some ways, because when we, I, I know I totally relate to that. I think I kind of almost enjoyed flagellating myself with, with you know, never taking time off. Actually, it's just kind of annoying <laughs> because you go to work, croaky voice or whatever, and everyone's just annoyed. They're like, you're obviously ill. And, and actually, it's just easier for everybody else if you're just sensible about it, isn't it? But mm. but that is a hard lesson. You have to get, get over the guilt. But then, as you say, guys, actually, it's better for you and others if you can be like that. So, yeah, that's really important lesson. Yeah. Oh, so this is – you love asking this question. But I you, do, actually. Go I on. Ask you ask – this is Enid's favourite question. Thank so. you, Lucy. So uh, this is one of my favourite questions. And this because I heard it on a on another podcast. I just think it opens it up. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Um, I, I desperately want to say an aeroplane and a picture of Lucy because that was your answer. <laughs> 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 it really Lucy's going, she's being so literal. <laughs> It really tickled me. It really tickled me. You know, I started to think about this, right? And then it's funny because I, I, I was sort of looking at this um, before, um, and then I listened to the the podcast with Faye, and Faye said, "Be yourself." Um, I think it was all the time, was or something like that. And I was like, "Oh, damn! I've put be you." <laughs> um, but then I, I, I was thinking about this, right? And I, you know, I, I put a couple of things there, like because I, I often, um, I remember a while ago, misunderstanding what you are enough means, and and I remember kind of feeling like <laughs> that just sounds really 
pathetic but actually when you think about like you know you are enough it is the fact that you know you know for for years I strive to be more to people um and try to be the better version of me for them rather than the better version of me for them and and I I suppose you know I'm sort of torn between you are enough and be kind I know it's cheesy but kindness is just what makes the world go around right I've got kind of like two parts this is be kind and then always Yeah, because it's it's like be kind to yourself, you know, be kind to others, you know, animals, you know, just just be nice. I don't see why people have to be gits. That's a little bit like one of those signs I made um, just at the beginning of lockdown, but it was don't be a, (laughs) don't be a dude. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Don't be a git. Yeah, especially at the moment, everything's so polarized. Mm-hmm. Everything's divisive. It's all mm. like because nah, we're all kind of you know. Well, we 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 feel very lucky, but there's people in desperate situations at the moment, aren't there? Yeah. And it does bring out a kind of a I don't know an adversarial kind of atmosphere, doesn't it? In life and online, and and you're you're right. If we can all just kind of breathe and connect with each other in yeah. a, in a more human and kind way, we'll get through it, won't we? If we can do that, hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, my final answer is: I think be kind always with a big picture of my grinning goober face and double thumbs up, going yeah. Oh, Excellent. Jimmy cranky moment. <laughs> we like that. I do like. I think yeah. yeah we should. I think that's actually, really cool. Stop. You should. You're good at graphics. You should like make these actual billboards like on the computer. Yeah, a little job for readers. Yeah. Anyway, Gemma, it's been an absolute joy to speak to you. And I and I just wanted to say thank you for being so generous with your sort of honesty and your time how real and, you've yeah, been and, and and how much energy you've you've given us. It's been an absolute delight. Absolutely. Um, so where can our listeners connect with you online or elsewhere? Okay, yeah. So um, no, I've, I have um, my blog site is uh, and that's m u n k i dot com, uh, where you can read my blog. I also have um, there's an at Madam Monkey Facebook and an at Madam Monkey Instagram where you can um, join me to look at pictures of my cats um, and for the occasional rant about something uh, that someone said about obesity or something random, you know. Fantastic. Wow. Thank you so much, Gemma. That's brilliant. We wish you lots of luck in lockdown number two. Yeah. And uh, thanks again for, for, for doing joining this us. with us. It's been absolutely it's wonderful. It's been brilliant. Mwah.